Well, good morning. Welcome to all of you who are here in the auditorium. Welcome to everyone who is worshiping with us online, and a special welcome to those of you who might be checking us out for the very first time this morning. We're glad you've chosen to be a part of this service. Um, as Danielle said, we're launching a new three-week teaching series that will lead us right up to Christmas. We're calling it Through the Eyes of a Shepherd, and we're looking at the birth of Christ as observed by the shepherds in the account that Luke tells us in, the gospel, in his gospel, chapter 2. I don't know about your house, but we are fully into the Christmas season at ours. Are you? I mean, decorations have been going up all week. We put the last ones up yesterday evening. Presents are flooding our porch. I think we're on a first-name basis with our UPS and FedEx drivers, with all of our you know, shopping online and everything being delivered. I fully expect a thank-you note from Amazon. Um, and we're starting to watch some Christmas shows, old favorites and finding some new ones. One of my favorites of all time is A Charlie Brown Christmas, right? And that shows my age. It was first released in 1965, and animation has changed a lot since 1965. But Rotten Tomatoes agrees with me, this one holds up really well over time. If you remember the story, Charlie Brown is struggling with the glitz and the glamour and the hype of Christmas 1965. He's, his angst is captured in the picture that's on the screen. And in the process of that struggle, he drops into this deep funk. Now, given what our year has been like, given the year we've had, that may be where some of you are today, or it may be a place you land at some point in this holiday season. Undoubtedly, COVID Christmas is going to look a little different than many of our Christmases past. There may be fewer people around your table for the Thanksgiving or for the Christmas meal. There may be fewer miles put on in traveling to see family and friends. Our stockings will still be hung by the chimney with care in hopes that vaccinations will soon be there. It's one of the biggest changes. So at his deepest funk, Maybe where you'll find yourself. At his deepest point of frustration, Charlie Brown literally just screams, is there someone, is there anyone who can tell me what the real point of Christmas is? And good old Linus steps up, grabs the spotlight, and very beautifully reads the passage of Scripture we're going to look at this morning from Luke chapter 2. Out. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid, and the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Well, if that doesn't lift your spirits this morning, you need to check your pulse. 
That was great. I love that rendition of Joy to the, joy to the World. So Jesus coming to earth was not a surprise. It had been a part of God's plan since the Garden of Eden. Prophets and priests had talked about the coming of the Messiah for centuries. People had been watching for him, waiting for his arrival for centuries. There was great anticipation. And then, on one ordinary evening, nothing special about it, except Christ was born. He came. It happened. Can you imagine how amazing it was for those shepherds on that hillside that night when they heard that news? And then in that moment, it's as if heaven itself could no longer contain the joy, and it erupts. Heaven's gates were flung wide open, and an army of angels come streaming to earth, and the theme of their brief song was simple. Glory in heaven, and peace on earth. Those shepherds desperately needed peace. The world they lived in was a political powder keg. The autocrat Herod ruled the region where Jesus was born. Herod had given himself the title King of the Jews. He was no benevolent dictator. He made life difficult for God's people. Herod was a terrorist before the world knew the term. He was heartless. He was cruel. He was immoral. If you disagreed with him, he would take your life. He had already killed his wife and two of his sons in addition to his political enemies by the time Jesus was born. And in one final cruel move in his life, five days before he died, Herod declared, that people should be rounded up from all of the region, brought to prison, and held until he died, and then on the day he died, they should all be executed to ensure that there would be a proper state of mourning in the region. All this happened while in faraway Rome, Emperor Caesar Augustus was spewing political rhetoric. Augustus had proclaimed a new world order would come about during his reign calling this proclamation his gospel, his good news. The empire declared Augustus the savior of the world, and many believed that under his regime, they would finally find the solution to all the problems that plagued mankind. King of the Jews, a savior has come. Good news has come. Those words had been shoved down people's throats for decades. Caesar's reign was, in fact, good news for some, but not for all, and especially for those in the part of the world where Jesus was born that night. That's all a backdrop to what's said to the shepherds those nights, what's in their heart, what is their real-life, everyday experience. So here again, the message that the angels gave to the shepherds that night, when that angel said, I bring you good news, that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Truly good news. This isn't just good news for the elite or the politically well-connected. This is good news for everyone, especially for the downtrodden and the oppressed. The true Savior, the one you have been waiting for and looking for, 
He is the Messiah, and he has been born this day. He is the one the prophets have talked about. He is the one you have waited for for thousands of years as a nation. And it's easy to understand why the shepherds were overwhelmed with joy that night. Now, I don't know about you, but I grew up with a very clear image in my head of what that first night looked like for Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And a lot of it was pinned to the nativity set we had in our home. It looked something like the one that's on the screen. We had all the animals. We had wise men. We had shepherds. Even one of the shepherds had a sheep hung over his shoulder, you know, just for effect, I guess. Mary and Joseph were there, and of course, the baby Jesus. What I always found a little interesting about our nativity set was the way Jesus was positioned in the manger. Did you ever look at that? He's like all chill. He's just laid back, got his legs crossed, his arms out, like, hey, thanks for coming to see me, guys. It's good to see you. It's just a weird picture when you think about it. And it all took place in this neat, tidy, wooden stable. The reality was quite different. I grew up on a farm, a place where you keep animals is seldom neat and tidy. God's arrival on earth took place without midwives or attendants that normally were present to help even the poorest of the poor deliver a child. Instead of a clean, well-constructed wooden stable, it took place most likely in a hillside cave like the one on the screen. That's where people sheltered their animals in that day. And there was nowhere to lay the newborn king except a rough-hewn rock-feeding trough. This simple event changed history. And only two humans witnessed it. And a crowd of animals gathered around for safety. And marvel at the majesty, at the beauty, at the simplicity of that single night. That night, Jesus came as a humble God. Jesus didn't come in like an emperor or a king with laws and decrees and changing everything at once. He didn't come in with empty promises. Jesus didn't come in a raging whirlwind or a devouring fire. Unimaginably, he shrank down so small as to become a single cell, a fertilized egg, barely visible to the naked eye, enlarging cell by cell inside a nervous teenage first-time mother. The Apostle Paul captured the beauty and the simplicity of that moment when he said, Jesus made himself nothing. The God who roared in the Old Testament, the God who could order armies and empires about like pawns on a chessboard, emerged in Palestine as a baby who could neither speak nor eat solid food. An infant who was absolutely dependent on adolescent parents for shelter and food and love. And all throughout Mary's pregnancy, I just imagine God in heaven restraining himself. He was so proud of the sacrifice his son was making. He was witnessing all of this from heaven. And on that night, it's as though heaven could no longer contain his joy at what Christ was doing. And so he lit up the sky with angels to announce his son's humble, humble birth. I love that God chose shepherds for the first people to hear the news that Jesus had been born. 
Shepherds were the primary messengers then. In Jesus' day, shepherds were insignificant. They were nobodies. If you notice, when they're mentioned in the Gospels, the writers don't even record their names. I wonder if anyone even bothered to ask. If you've ever been looked at as a nobody, if you've ever been looked down on in your life, you know what that feels like. You know what it's like to be treated like you don't matter. You're insignificant. Shepherds got that look and treatment all the time. Proper Jews lumped shepherds in with godless heathens. Shepherds were restricted in what they could do in society. They could come into the outer courts of the temple, but they couldn't go into worship. It would be like us saying to some of you who arrived this morning, sorry, but you're not allowed in the auditorium, but we'll let you listen from the cafe. Shepherds had no legal standing. They weren't even allowed to be witnesses in the courts. What's so amazing is that Jesus did not come to the emperor. Jesus did not come to King Herod. Jesus didn't even come to the high priest of the Jewish religion. When Jesus came to earth, God chose these simple shepherds to be the first witnesses of his birth, and they exploded with joy. This all signaled a new day for our relationship with God. The long-awaited Savior had come, and he would be a Savior for everyone. There was now hope for the hopeless, for the beaten down, and the marginalized in life. That simple action represents a dramatic shift in mankind's relationship with God. On that night, heaven entered our chaos, offering us peace. For millennia, religion and faith have been characterized by a fear of God for everyone from the religious elite to the common shepherds. You hear it in their reaction to the angels that night. A literal translation of what the shepherds said would read something like this. They feared with great fear. It's kind of like a two-year-old trying to explain a bad dream to you. There just aren't words to encompass the feelings they have. Many of us have been raised in a culture of informal church, like Westridge. So it may be hard to relate to that feeling and that emotion that Jesus brought that night to our relationship with God. Fear had been a part of the Jewish faith forever. All throughout the Old Testament, anyone who was blessed to have a direct contact with God or with one of his angels expected that they would come away like the prophets had, either scorched or glowing or maybe half crippled. Think about Moses and the burning bush. Think about Moses getting the Ten Commandments. Think about the extraterrestrial visions of Ezekiel or Jacob's stairway to heaven. Yes, for children of the 60s and 70s, it was Jacob's stairway before it was Led Zeppelin's. Jewish children learned a religion laced with fear. They were taught that there was a sacred mountain in the desert where you could go to. You could actually go to the mountain where Moses received the Ten Commandments. But you didn't set foot on it, you didn't touch the mountain, or you would die. In performing religious functions in the temple, you had to do them exactly as prescribed, or you would die. There was the Holy of Holies, the highest place in the temple, and the only person allowed there was the high priest, and only once a year. And if you poked your head behind the curtain just to see what was in there, 
you would die. Fear was woven into their faith. And so I think it's remarkable that God chooses to enter the world as a baby in a manger. Is there anything less intimidating than a newborn baby? Is there anything that produces less fear than a newborn child? In the humble birth of Jesus, God offers us a new type of relationship, one that disables and discards fear. John says in his gospel, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world, through him, could be saved. Jesus didn't come to shake his finger at us and tell us how bad we are, how awful we are. Those words would not be news to us. We know what we've done. We know our failings all too well, and that's certainly not good news. And it doesn't really help us move forward. Jesus came so that we could be saved, so we could be rescued. And instead of pointing at the huge gulf that lies between God's perfection and our sinfulness, Jesus came and bridged that gulf. The good news is that we used to be separated from God, and now we are not. We are together in a relationship with him. The good news is that at one time God was a mystery to men. Now we know him. The good news is that we once wondered what would happen when we die, and now we know. We wondered what God thinks about us, and now we know. We are loved. In Christ, we can be at peace with God with each other, and with ourselves. All because of that one lonely night on a hill outside Bethlehem where the improbable happened. God, who knows no boundaries, took on the shocking confines of a baby's skin. Like the shepherds, we are all offered that good news this morning and it comes with a decision we need to make. How do we respond? to the good news. For some, hearing the good news of Christ's birth every year is just a reminder of the faith that's already been developed in their life. It reminds you of how much God loves you. It reminds you of his presence with you every single day. For others who hear the Christmas story each year, they identify more with the fear that I talked about. It's what I grew up with in my life. I grew up in a Christian family, and our relationship with God was largely based on fear of punishment if we didn't do what was right. As a result, I never saw God as approachable, and it took me well into my adult life to lose that fear and live in God's love and grace. To realize that God's not watching me to see me mess up, but he's watching me to see when I call for his help and when I invite him in to my life. So maybe for you this Christmas season, your response is to begin to whittle away at that fear and to live in the grace that God offers. My guess is that there are also people who are listening in this room or online who are not sure what to think about Jesus and this good news. Maybe that's you, and you've never decided what to do 
with Jesus. In fact, you don't even know if what he brings is good news. I would tell you that the best gift that you can give yourself this Christmas is to wrestle your questions and your doubts to the ground. Now, I'm not going to press you this morning to make a decision or a commitment or sign something or send an email or a text. What I am going to ask you to do is to take steps to figure out what you really believe about Jesus. To search for answers, to to engage with some people who will let you ask your questions, will listen, and will offer ideas. They'll walk with you in this journey. I would ask you this Christmas to have the curiosity of the shepherds and check Jesus out for yourself. I know that in my story, my relationship with God has made all the difference in the trajectory of my life. I am convinced that Jesus can do the same for you and that he can offer you joy and peace and purpose in your life. And I truly believe that if you make an honest effort, you will find in Jesus everything you are not. You will find in Jesus that he offers what this world cannot. And you will discover for yourself that he really is good news.